Hi, everyone. I'm Jake Namsha, and you're listening to the Lamb Fam and Friends podcast. Hello, everyone. We're back. Rebecca's eating again because she, for some reason, can't <laughs> find time to eat other than when she's supposed to be working and doing the podcast. So I'm so good at multitasking. She yeah. got free food. I did. Ooh, yeah. We are going to talk today about concurrent training because let's just face it, y'all. Whoops. Okay. Uh-huh. Y'all heard that. But here's what we need to do. First, before I do that, I want to figure out what these Mayhem Madness workout, uh, Mayhem Classic workouts are and talk about them. Event one is sponsored by Reebok, and which is interesting to say the least. 27, 21, 15, 9 calorie row and lateral burpee over the rower. That's straight. That's a straight burner. That's cool. that's all I gotta say. That is, um, yeah. That that's go, bro. Jump way higher over the rower too. I think, uh, yeah, you're right. I did that one with we did. Uh, you did at right the at me. the old gym. Yeah, um, and it was though. It went into a one rep max snatch. Um, wow. Okay. All right. Online qualifier event two again sponsored by Reebok, wow. but not CrossFit Reebok, but Reebok. Uh, <laughs> It is, let's see, 21-15-9 thrusters, chest-to-bar pull-ups. Oh, gosh. What's the thruster These weight? awful. 115-75, and then chest-to-bar pull-ups. So it's like a scaled-up version of Fran. 21-15-9, okay. Yep. Uh, those two workouts right there, those are pretty hard hitters. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that's... I would expect nothing less from Mayhem. But see, normally they do, like, really high-skill yeah. type stuff. Not and heavier, right? Heavy stuff. Yeah, and, and I wonder qualifiers? if they're just uh, well, I don't know if they've ever done a qualifier. Yeah, I, that's true. I guess they might have done one for their last competition. We're gonna get to concurrent training methods in just a minute, folks. Just hang on. Okay. So, 15 minute clock, 30 clean and jerks, and then at the five minute mark, another 30 clean and jerks, the and then at the 10 minute mark, max reps clean and jerks until 15 what? minutes. So it's grace, which is 135.95. And then at the five minute mark, you do another 30 clean jerks at 185, 125. Uh-huh. And then at the 10 minute mark, you do as many clean jerks as you can in 225, 155. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's, head to uh, head, elbow, let's go. Great. That's, that's, <laughs> I'll do your freedom workout if you do mine. Um, uh, uh, here we go. Okay, now we're going to get into some skill stuff. Noah Olson has already commented, said he loved it. So that means it must be, I'm looking on Instagram, uh, through my computer, by the way, uh, (laughs) fourth workout, I believe is a hundred foot handstand walk, 15 bar muscle ups, hundred foot handstand walk, 12, hundred foot, nine, hundred foot. That's that's a a good workout. That's 400 uh, feet of handstand walking, and it basically goes 21.59 of bar muscle-ups in between. Do you think handstand walk interferes with bar muscle-ups? Not much. I mean, maybe a little bit, but not much. Yeah, it's a good... Yeah. um, You knew that he was going to do handstand walk because he just... He's obsessed with handstand walk. Because he's he's really good at them. Um, And then the last one, event five, if y'all are wondering why we're going over these, it's because... We had high hopes to send a team here. Uh, High hopes. High hopes and dreams. 
pipe dreams. Uh, 20 minute AMRAP, 150 double unders, 50 weighted box step ups with a single dumbbell, 50 toes to bar, 50 weighted step back lunges. I forgot to listen. Can you repeat that? What's the dumbbell weight? You'll have to say the weight for me to understand. Uh, okay, so it was a 20 minute AMRAP, 100 double unders, toes to bar, single dumbbell box step up. And then something else, and then single dumbbell reverse lunges. It's basically like a chipper type format. 50? Uh, yeah, thirty-five fifty. Just one dumbbell. Yeah. So you That's would do better. you would do really good at that one. I hate dumbbell. Yeah. Double dual dumbbell box step ups are just. Bad. At least it I think I say it like yeah. I think I say it like every time we're on this podcast. But I just I hate them. They're so bad, uh, and they just destroy my grip and they make me out of breath. I just don't like anything about it. My back is like hunched over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, into the podcast. It is June 18th. Um, the world is collapsing around us, but we're going to talk about <laughs> concurrent training. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, what kind of questions, first off, do you guys have about concurrent training methods? I have a question because I don't have much to answer today. <laughs> um, so how, if an athlete approached you and said, hey, my goal is... Hey, <laughs> I would say hello. <laughs> okay, first up. Um, hey, my goal is to get stronger and improve my aerobic capacity at the exact same time. Yeah. What, would you, what would be your initial statement before you got into the nitty-gritty? Uh... Well, that answer is going to be, as always, it depends, right? It depends on the person asking the question, okay? But that's a good little segue into this. Um, and it's kind of the same concept as like someone who came to you as a nutrition coach and said, I want to gain lean, I want to gain muscle, like I want to bulk and I want to get leaner at the same time, mm-hmm. right? right? It's like, okay, in certain cases, rare cases, that's possible, mm-hmm. all right? In most cases, it's not. In most cases, you have to pick and choose which one of those you want to go for, right? Which is why you have people that will do like bulking phases and then cutting phases because they recognize that you can't really do both and do them extremely well at the same time. So if someone were to come to me and say that, let's say it was someone who's sitting in a consult with me, like doing a no sweat intro who wanted to join the gym and they like hadn't been training, like they were deconditioned, you know, say they're in their, you know, mid thirties, haven't worked out in 15 years or so overweight, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, I'm stronger and I want to get, I want to increase my aerobic capacity, which they wouldn't say. They would just be like, I just want to get fitter and get stronger. Right. I'd be like, perfect. I got the exact solution for you. We're going to put you on a diet of, uh, meats, vegetables, nuts, seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar, right? And then we're going to have you do CrossFit classes, right? And you're going to get both of those at the same time, mm-hmm. okay? They would be able to do that because their training age is so low, right? Anything they do is going to work and everything, like all their metrics are going to rise mm-hmm. pretty much at the same rate, okay? For the first, really even for the first couple years, yeah. if they're consistent with, in, with doing it. If you were to come to me and say, I want to get stronger and I want to increase and I want to increase my aerobic capacity. I would say, well, first I would say 
that's stupid. But then because, because we have that relationship and I can tell you that that's stupid. Um, but I would say that's probably not going to be able to happen. All right. What I can tell you we can do is I think say we can pick one of those and we can increase one of those and not let the other one diminish. Right. So that's concurrent training in a nutshell, right? Is taking multiple priorities, we'll call them, right? And training all those priorities at the same time and mixing and matching and kind of like just not to be too, I don't know, this may sound a little, I can't say the word, um, but like, when you're when you're painting right like you've got to have different colors to create the entire painting right and concurrent training is taking all the different training methods and all the different skills and drills and all the different strength metrics and all the different gymnastics and energy system training and all that stuff and putting all of them together in such a way that you're prioritizing what you need to prioritize and at the same time not letting all those other things fall off okay. right so it's like well, so Chris Henshaw, if you listen to him, he talks about when Jason Kalipa came to him and was like, hey, I want you to be like, I need a coach for running because I am terrible at this and it is holding me back from being able to win the CrossFit Games. Yeah. And, and this was when no one knew who Chris Henshaw was. He was like, that was the first person that he worked with was Jason Kalipa. And he says that what he worried about most, he was like, I know I can make him a better runner. I, I'm afraid I'm going to make him a worse CrossFitter, mm. right? And that's what we're getting into when we talk about concurrent training methods, okay? It's how do we structure training in such a way that we are putting emphasis on what the athlete needs to improve at, to do better at in the sport, and at the same time, continuing to add in elements to their training that do not allow them to drop off in other areas. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? Okay. So, uh, and the way you need to think about it really is you, a good analogy that I've heard, I didn't come up with this, was uh, that you need to think about adapting to training the same way you would as, um, let's say, cash flow, like however much money you have. So. Let's say you have $100, right? And you can spend that $100 any way you want, okay? But you have to pick and choose how you're gonna spend that $100. Adapting to training is the same way. You have a, a reserve of let's call adaptive currency, right? Meaning that I know if I give either of you a stimulus in a workout and I structure your training in such a way that you get exposure to that stimulus over and over and over again, I can realistically expect for you to make some progress and for you to adapt in some way to that training, mm -hmm. right? But you only have a certain amount of currency to do it, right? So I have to figure out basically when I'm structuring my training, it's like saying, okay, I'm gonna allocate $70, right? To training this one priority. Mm -hmm. And the other $30 is gonna be used to be spent on other elements of the sport that they need to continue to work on and kind of shore up and not let drop off. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's why I'm saying you can't get better at both of them at the same time, mm -hmm. specifically speaking, unless like your adaptive currency is just through the freaking roof. Yeah. Right. And there's some people who are like that, but it's very, very rare. Yeah. Right. Um, which is why most people, especially when you get to a certain level, 
and you want to progress further in the sport, Mm -hmm. right? We're not talking about just general physical preparedness. You want to get further in the sport. You're eventually going to get to an area where uh, you sit down and you recognize there are two, three areas in your fitness that are lagging behind and that are really hindering you from succeeding in the sport. Yeah. Okay. And that's when you have to start. That's why template programming, right? Like going off and getting something like comp train or going off getting something like misfits or Invictus or whatever it may be. You don't know if that cycle is geared towards what your specific weakness is. If you're a perfectly well-rounded athlete, okay, it'll probably be great for you. But in my opinion, I've never met a well-rounded athlete other than the people who have won the CrossFit games, right? Everyone else has general weaknesses that they really need to work on. Are we just asking questions or is there a Yeah, no, sure. Um, Okay, so when you talk about like adaptive currency, Mm -hmm. do you have like, all right, so like say I want to get stronger, right? That's type two, like muscle fibers. And then I want to get my aerobic capacity better. That's type one muscle fibers. Do I have like $100 to spend on type two and $100 to spend on type one? Or do they... It's not split like that. So you only have $100. So it's just like total energy? Total adaptive capability, right? The body can only adapt to so many things at one time, okay? So, but like I said, someone who's newer to the sport, they can adapt to everything pretty much at the same time because no matter what they do, everything's going to get better because they're so deconditioned, right? But as you progress in training age, as you become more let's just say, uh, yeah, more just well-trained in general, you're going to have to devote more time to certain areas to see an increase, mm-hmm. right? Like we've all seen that with people who have come in, they start CrossFit six months down the road, they come in, they pull a deadlift that's like over 150 pound PR, yeah. right? And then guess what? Every PR thereafter is like five pounds, yeah. two and a half pounds, right? Or non-existent. Yeah, like me, it's non-existent anymore. And I know that because right now with my training age and where I'm at, if I want to get my back squat or my deadlift up, it requires me to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and energy on those areas in order for me to see that increase. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what I'm talking about when I talk about adaptive currency. Okay. Does that make more sense? Okay. So on that, I have two – it's kind of a twofold question, but I'll just ask the first one. Um. So with what you're saying, I've heard someone say before that in order to like improve in a specific, whether it's strength or aerobic capacity, the stimulus has to keep getting higher, or mm-hmm. keep getting harder. Because if you do the exact same thing, yep. you're not gonna, your body doesn't really have anything to adapt to. Yep. So basically, like, how, what does that look like for someone? Maybe let's say just like the way you program the classes, like how do people keep pushing the stimulus and take that accountability like on themselves mm-hmm. to like ad- make themselves adapt. If yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just considered progressive overload is the yes. technical term for it. Right. And basically that just means that if you come in every day, let's take a back squat, for example, and every day you do five by five at two twenty five eventually you're like your body's not gonna get any stronger from doing that it's just gonna get really accustomed to doing five by five at 225 and yeah. if you never increase the load or you never make any changes in variables such as in sets or load or volume or rest time or anything like that your body doesn't have anything therefore to adapt to anymore right 
So, because it's in its mind, in your body's mind, it's done what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. It's capable of meeting the demand. So there's no need for me to get any stronger, mm-hmm. right? I have to add in that stress in order to force the body to adapt. Mm-hmm. So, so your body knows that. Yeah, your body. Like, just imagine. Um, like I've heard a lot of people talk about, like just like a someone who bales hay day after day, right? Like when they come in the first like couple weeks. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I would uh, wheel wheelbarrows of cement back and forth at construction sites because I worked construction over the summer. And like the first week or two, I was just destroyed. Because I mean, like that wheelbarrow, I remember I'd pick it up and it was so heavy, I could only go like just a couple steps at a time, right? But then just over time, doing it day after day after day, I got used to it and my body adapted to it to where by the end, I was able to move it fine, right? Um, so that happened, the body will do that on its own as long as you keep getting exposure to that stimulus. Okay. okay. Um, but, uh, in terms of the class, right, what we'll find with people in the class is that that progressive overload is usually built in to, let's say they come in, let's take, uh, Ellie, let's take your dad, for example, right? He did yesterday's workout with, let's say, 65 pounds in the overhead squats, right? And he did the runs. Well, because of your dad's training age, because he's never really done overhead squats before, right? I don't need to put him on a progression for that because I know the next time he comes in to do overhead squats, he's going to have better mobility. He's going to be more comfortable with it. He's going to have built up some resiliency yeah. in his shoulder mobility, his shoulder strength from all the other stuff that we do. That the next time we do overhead squats, he's going to be able to go heavier. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of built into the variance piece within the class. Mm-hmm. And we, we but we do need to make a really clear distinction between programming for the class and programming for an individual athlete looking to compete in the sport. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. people in the class, I'm not really looking to increase one area of their fitness. I'm looking to increase their entire fitness. Yes. Right. All at the same time. OK. Because they are playing a really, really long game right like they're just coming in here to get fit they're not training for a specific date of competition right whereas my individual athletes they are and as soon as you put a date on the calendar for when they need to compete it changes the game right it changes how you structure training mm-hmm. okay also i think that's why like you have a coach yeah because like you quarantine for example a lot of people did really well for like yeah a month and then they're like hey actually Right. Um, and so, like, that's our job when we coach to be like, hey, you did 225 last time you squatted. Let's go for 235. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And exactly. I know a lot of people wanted to get handstand push ups over quarantine or strict handstand push ups. And it's, it's a lot easier. When you say it's a lot easier when it's like one thing they want to get better at, like yeah. one movement. Yeah. Like, you could start with negatives and then build them up, just add reps each week or right. add a set. Right. So, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And, but, so we can also say that. We had a lot of people that probably did get better at handstand push-ups or quarantine. But what about the other areas of their fitness? Yeah. Right? It might have fallen off a little bit because they didn't have access to be able to do heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, clean and jerk snatches, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? That's where the art, in my opinion, of programming comes into play where it's like, okay, just like I use the example of Henshaw, I got to make this person a better runner, mm-hmm. but I can't make them a worse crossfitter in the process. Yeah. Right? That's where, in my mind, the job of being a coach in CrossFit is one of the most difficult because you are trying to 
maintain so much uh, across the board, right? Um, Can you talk a little bit about, about how long each thing lasts? Like if someone who you're focusing solely on strength, mm-hmm. how much time have they bought once they switch to kind of focusing on their aerobic capacity again? Do they have to like maintain the strength that they built over that time or vice versa? Yeah. So uh, let's go with a couple of examples. Let's first assume we need to assume some things in order for this to, to hold any weight. Uh, let's assume that this person is training to compete in the sport and that their main goal is to do well in the open, which is in October. Okay. And we'll use uh, really both of y'all. We can mm-hmm. use them as an, as an example. You have both been pretty much for the first half of the year on some type of strength development program because that's areas where both of you need to improve upon ellie (laughs) rebecca is more not nearly to the degree that that you are but ellie for those y'all if you have if you have seen her her programming or asked her to look at it it is i mean she has like probably three or four lifts a day uh, every day that she comes in and, and does, and she does all of those the first thing for her, or she's supposed to do. She's supposed to do all of those things first before she does anything else. And that's because the only thing holding her back from doing well in the sport is her, her absolute strength. It's, it's not even so much her ability to move a barbell and cycle it because she can cycle reps at a really high percentage very, very well. It's just getting her absolute, like her, her ceiling. It's getting her strength ceiling up as high as we can. And so she's been doing that now. She has four weeks left on about a 20 week strength cycle. And, uh, after that we will transition. Right. And after that, we kind of have to say, okay, that was as much progress as we were able to make in the year and still get you ready and be able to feel like you're in quote unquote fighting shape for the open. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's during that time where I'm like, I'm okay with seeing a little bit of a dip in your aerobic capacity during that time. Because if I give you uh, a 10% dip in your aerobic capacity, you're still going to be in the upper echelon of ability in those things. I'm willing to take a 10% dip in that to get a 20% increase in your overall strength, right? Because, like, for most people, aerobic capacity is a lot easier to get back than strength. True. Um, but I'll use a opposite example. <coughs> Would be, uh, who was I talking I was talking to, to Boone about this this morning when we were going over programming and stuff. Uh, an opposite example of that would be someone like, uh, let's say, who's like Kelsey Keel? We'll, we'll pick her because she's extremely strong, yeah. like clean and jerking, 270, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it boggles my mind, and I, I, she has coaches that are far more qualified than me, so I know they know what they're doing, but she does a lot of strength training still, yeah. right? And for her, if she were to take a 10% dip in all of her strength metrics, she's still going to be at the top of the leaderboard yeah. or close to it, sure. right? So if I'm her coach, I'm thinking, okay, well, hey, you know what, like, I'm okay with you taking some, you know, some downturn there. If we can jack everything else up, you're going to be unbeatable, yeah. you know? So that that's how, and I'm sure they're doing that, right? It's just that the only thing she can post on Instagram that's Instagram worthy is usually lifts. So that's yeah. all we see. Yeah. So, but, so don't let that fool you when you see that. Yeah. But isn't it insane, like, just to think about, uh, it is me, that 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Is she just wow. one of those rare breeds? Yes. Is, because I truly do not understand she how. Doesn't have all, like, uh-huh. she, that's why she wins. She right. has every fast twitch muscle fiber and slow twitch muscle fiber <laughs> all in one body. Yeah, she just has the, I mean, she's a, she is an outlier. And that's what the games is designed to find. It's designed to find those outliers, those people that have no holes, those people that are fit across the board, right? Because they're not the norm. Do you think she trained that though, or was she just naturally like that? Because I know how hard she worked so hard. She works really hard, but I am of the opinion that people who make it to the games are genetically different than I am. Mm-hmm. Like, not to say that nope, I can't work my butt off and get there. That's not what I'm saying. But it would be a heck of a lot harder for me than it would be for yeah, her. Yeah, I don't like she was. I mean, she just like happened to qualify with it to, for the Olympics though. Like, I just don't right. understand that. Yeah. like that's insane. Yeah, I see it as not an either or, but a both and. So it's when genetics, hard work, and opportunity meet with one another that you have something really special that takes place, right? Like, you can't just have genetics uh, without hard work. You can't just have hard work without good genetics. And you can't have both of those things without the opportunity to showcase it, right? And you have to have all three of those things in order. But when you do and they line up, it's, I mean, it it can be really special. yeah, I mean, you think double body weight clean and jerk, right? Like, that's, for me, that's like a 430-pound clean and jerk. And like what does she weigh? 128. Yeah. 128? That's less you than me. Than oh, my gosh. And yeah. her legs are probably twice as long. crazy. Um, <laughs> she weighs, are y'all positive she weighs 128? She, yeah, she's about 25. Yeah, so. What in the world? That's why it's so, I mean, yeah, that's just, it's ridiculously impressive. Um, But anyways, back to concurrent training. In terms of concurrent training really comes down to how you would structure out your macro cycle, how you would structure out your meso cycle, and then your micro cycles. So what most people would probably understand best would be a micro cycle. So a micro cycle would be like a week of training, okay? And that would fit within to a meso cycle which would be like a four week block, which would then fit into a macro cycle. And you might have, I break it up into probably like three or four macro cycles a year for my athletes, depending upon where they're at and all that kind of stuff. Uh, In a micro cycle, which would be a week of training, right? We would want to start with the way that I structure their programming is I'm going to start Mondays typically with whatever their weakest area is okay is going to be on monday because typically that's when they're going to be the freshest i know they're coming off from a rest day uh that was followed by typically two days of training right instead of three so i'm going to follow up on monday the very first thing they do is going to be whatever it is that needs the number one priority because that's when they're going to be the freshest that's when i feel like they're going to be able to give the most energy and that's when i feel like they're going to be able to get the most bang for their buck off of that one training priority so for Rebecca for a long time, that was muscle ups. Like every Monday we would come in and it was a muscle up session before we did any strength work, before we did anything. And then for Ellie, for a long time, it's been usually some type of, it would vary. Sometimes it would be a squat before an Olympic lift. And then sometimes it's an Olympic lift before a squat, depending on how we're progressing throughout the macro cycle or the meso cycle. Um, So you would do that, and then after that, 
then you can start to fill in the gaps, right? Of, okay, now we've gotten the big stuff out of the way. Those aren't my big rocks that I wanted to get done for the day. Now we can start putting in pieces where it's like maybe more sports specific style work where it's like barbell cycling with some erg type stuff or barbell cycling with double unders or whatever it may be, that stuff's gonna come after, right? Someone who has the opposite problem, let's say they are, you know, they just really need to work on aerobic capacity, right? I'm really like, for those people, for the most part, I don't put their strength stuff first. Like I put their strength stuff after everything, mm -hmm. okay? Cause I let them get everything out of there. Like with me, I don't struggle with strength. I struggle with being able to breathe. And I know that if I do, if I do strength stuff beforehand, typically all that happens is it just takes away my ability to push hard in my aerobic stuff. So it's not getting the attention that it needs. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then you have to just think about how a session on Monday is going to affect the session on Tuesday, how the session on Tuesday is going to affect Wednesday, so on and so forth throughout the week. Right. Cause there's this overlap of fatigue. Right. So if I know that I want to focus on that heavy end uh, absolute strength work on Monday, on Tuesday, I'm probably going to back off on that a little bit. And it's going to be more, I don't know, whatever the athlete needs, skills, support sessions, something like that. But that's staying away from that higher end strength work. Mm -hmm. Right. So that come Wednesday, they're ready to hit that back again. Mm -hmm. Right. And they've had a little bit of time for the body to recover and adapt. And then Wednesday, we hit it again. Yeah. Right. Can you, um, this is just out of curiosity, when you're in the middle of a mesocycle or like, let's say microcycle per week, each week, could you, do you pretty much stick to the same rep schemes for the strength movements? Like, or would you, could you do like low rep back squat one day and then like high rep front squat yep. on Wednesday? Yep. Or does that interfere? No, it doesn't interfere, and it completely depends upon the athlete and what they adapt to because different protocols are going to work for different athletes, right? <clears throat> That's why it's been a two-year process, Ellie, for me to figure out what you adapt to. Um, so some people are going to do really well. Like some people can adapt depending upon their – I think essence is kind of what you'll hear some people talk about, yeah. like in terms of like if they're really like – just strong, powerful athletes, yeah. right? Or if there's someone who's like just an engine type person, right? <clears throat> because of me, I have that sort of like powerful essence. I can usually generate power really quickly. I just can't sustain it for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. That is really easy for me to maintain. Mm -hmm. So like I can probably stay on a back squat cycle and only back squat two times a week and keep it really at a pretty higher end range of percentage of my one rep max, right? And still see some pretty good benefit yeah. from that, right? Um, whereas someone like you, right, we need, that's why you squat like sometimes four or five times a week, yeah. right? Because, and it's it's varying, right? But there's an overall kind of, I guess, uh, overall theme mm -hmm. within those sessions. So we may start out with a hypertrophy block where we're doing, you know, building to five RMs and then doing some back offsets with like max reps afterwards, right? And then we may transition into doing some three and two RMs, right? And then we would transition into another phase of training where now we're really hitting some higher end rep ranges, like maybe doing 10 singles at 90, 95%, right? All that kind of stuff. So there's a general theme, but again, where the art of training is, is that you want to still be hitting 
all of those other areas at the same time, yeah. right? And that's what makes it difficult, mm -hmm. okay? So to answer your question, it depends completely on the athlete and what they can adapt to and what they can handle, uh, and yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. but you can still have both mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, I really love the idea of, um, I've had, I've seen quite a few good results with putting some people on like, let's say they take a lift and different lifts are going to need different amounts of volume. So if we're talking about something like shoulders, which are typically smaller muscle groups can recover pretty faster and generally require a lot more volume to get stronger at than something like a whole body lift, like a deadlift or a squat. Um, but with something like a deadlift or a squat, I really like the idea of having three days of training with those lifts, doing a high volume day, low weight, right? A moderate volume day, moderate weight, and then a low volume day, high weight, mm -hmm. right? Because then you're hitting all three and you can progress on each one at the time. And the low volume or the uh, high rep, low weight day, it, low intensity day <coughs> actually can serve as a recovery day for the moderate and for the moderate loading. And then you still have a little bit left to really hit high percentages on the on the heavy day, okay. right? I really like that that template. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's cool. I have so many questions, but I'm gonna no, keep asking. Becca, do you have any questions? Uh, I only want to hear questions. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one more. When you're doing, sorry. Okay, let's take squats for example, and um, let's say one. Let's just say you're doing these back to back. You're, you have to go for like a two rep max and then rest a few minutes and then you have to go for an 18 rep max. Obviously okay. a lot lighter weight. Do you, you use different muscles or is it just different fibers? Like I know you use the same muscles, like it's still a squat, but like does certain muscles get to like, like why is it that like it's still the same movement but it feels so different in the sense of like, I feel like I'm using like my glutes more in, you know, the 18 rep as opposed to like the two rep. Yeah. And I'm using my quads more. Like, it, do, does that make sense? Like, it's the same movement, but you feel like you're still using different parts of the muscle. Absolutely. And that's probably because in a two rep, right, the body is fresh. You only have to perform two reps. There's not enough time under tension there for the fast switch fibers to be depleted of energy and of power right? And as you get into something like an 18 rep max, the quads are getting fatigued. The fast switch muscle fibers have pretty much been depleted of yeah. all their ability. So now there are other muscle groups that are having to pick up the slack, right? To be engaged in that type of a movement to be able to continue to do reps, that's right? That's how, I, yeah. To answer your question, that's what I would think. Okay. I've never given you an 18 rep max though, so. Yeah, you have you max reps at a certain percentage. Okay, y'all, I give Ellie max reps like 90% 90, 90 and she gets 18 reps. No, so. that was like 80%. Okay. But I felt, felt like a different movement. Yeah. So that's my question. Mm -hmm. But that's good for hypertrophy. Yes. That's like straight up hypertrophy training yeah. right there, yeah. right? Anywhere getting from like 12 to 20 reps, perfect for Can that. Can you define hypertrophy for the people? Hypertrophy for the people. For the people. Hypertrophy would just be muscle growth. Right, and that's all it is. It's basically, there's two ways to increase strength in a muscle. You can increase the surface area of the muscle itself, right? So actually having not more fibers, I think there's still some confusion out there. And I think we're still actually trying to learn, like can a muscle actually grow new fibers? Um, most people would say, no, it can't, but we can enlarge the size of the fibers in the muscle, right? That's one way to get stronger. The other way to get stronger is to 
uh, create greater rate of force production within the fiber, okay. right? So the muscle actually stays the same size, but the ability for it to produce force is increased. It's like right? explosiveness training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does cellular swelling have anything to do with, like, is that, that long-term or is that just like? I mean, I think there are still two trains of thought and I might get the uh, terminology. Someone can help me if I get this mixed up, but I think there is sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and then the other hypertrophy is, is I can't remember the other one. Um, uh, we were talking about this with Nick the other day. Yeah. Yeah, sarco sarcoplasmic hypertrophy would be the muscle swelling, right, that you would get, where yeah. you feel kind of like that pump, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, um, but typically... It's more short-term. Yeah, and I don't think that it has nearly as much effect uh, on actual muscle strength in the long term, yeah. right? Isn't that what non-hormonal steroids do? Mm-hmm. They're not affecting your actual hormones. Yeah. Yeah. That might be true. I don't know. I haven't taken steroids. I've never prescribed them to anyone. I so. took a course on steroids in college. <coughs> oh my gosh. A whole course? That is, that is, that is really fun. Um, yeah. So bottom line for concurrent training, basically the gist of it is you need to structure your training in such a way so that you're prioritizing what you need to prioritize, making sure you allocate adaptive resources to those priorities and then at the same time structuring the other training around in such a way that you're maintaining other properties of your fitness without letting them drop off or drop off too much in the process of continuing to train what you need to get better at in the sport right. and there are differences in that as well like let's say you need to get better at a skill right like a skill like muscle ups or a skill like double unders or handstand push-ups and that's the and where and when I say it's a skill, I mean like you struggle with being inverted or you struggle, 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 you struggle, uh, you struggle with uh, your turnover and the muscle up, but it's not an issue of strength. Like we've ruled that out, right? You can really do a lot of that stuff and it's not really going to take away a lot from your ability to continue to train other properties, mm -hmm. right? Because it's more of a central nervous system development and yeah. just learning how to move and getting familiar and comfortable with the movement. It's not something that's taxing the body physiologically, mm -hmm. right? It's more mental. So um, you have to take into account all of those things when you're trying to figure out how to progress someone in a certain area of fitness. Mm -hmm. okay. um, cool. Mm. All right, well think that that did I mean I think we talked about it good enough yeah. a little bit yeah what else is going on okay I do have, a, I have one more question <laughs> how okay so is this something that members of our gym need to worry about no uh, not unless they're wanting to compete they're wanting to compete I would say yeah worry about it if they're not wanting to compete and they're really just looking to be fit and be healthy come in do whatever is written on the board trust it we know what we're doing you're going to get better yeah promise if you don't cherry pick workouts right right <laughs> would you all say crossfit's biased though towards one area what area strength or aerobic capacity what what is the general crossfit gpp general physical preparedness biased towards it, well by nature general physical preparedness means you're not biased no, but 
if you look at CurlFit training. I, just, I have an answer. I'm trying to see what y'all are saying. Yeah. I think it's biased towards the aerobic capacity. If you take all, if you take 100 workouts on the CurlFit Games website and, and put one in the strength bucket, one in the aerobic bucket, I feel like most of them would favor someone who's aerobically inclined. Oh, for sure. But that's because that's where we find, that's where we feel like, <clears throat> is fitness tested in one rep maxes? Absolutely. Is your work capacity tested in a one RM? No, not. Re- I mean, it is in a degree, but not in the way that it is in a conditioning piece, where we're really trying to see how much power output you can maintain for an extended period of time. Yeah. Right. And I think that we would all agree that metabolic conditioning, right, is a huge component of fitness. Yeah. Right. Much more so than lifting a one RM. Mm-hmm. I actually think CrossFit and the games are more skewed towards strength than they are conditioning. Really. Yes, because I've used this example before. We have Tia Claire Toomey now. Granted, she's an outlier and a big one, but she can qualify for the Olympics, okay, in clean and jerk and snatch, all right? If she were to go, I don't know, actually, she might be able to hold her own, but she might not be a good example. But let's say Matt Frazier, right? It can also be extremely strong. Went, won the clean ladder last year at the Games. If he, he had to go and train with a high school track team, to get better at his running, right? And got some track team. Yeah, swim team too, but track team and got smoked, right? If you were to put a CrossFitter on the Olympic stage for weightlifting, are they going to be at top? No, but they're probably going to be able to hold their own and at least not be an embarrassment. If you put them out at an Olympic track and field event where they had to run 800 meters or a mile or a 5K, they would get laughed out of the stadium. Absolutely laughed out of the stadium. So I think that there's a little bit of a bias there, but that's just me. Yeah. Just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. But general, our members are like, they're going to get the best of both. Yeah. It's not like we're sure. Gonna, yeah. Because we're not in our classes, we're not, like Rebecca said, if they're not cherry picking workouts, we're not, <clears throat> I don't program to increase one area of fitness yeah. for our classes. I program to increase general physical preparedness, which means that we have to do constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, right? Um, so as long as they're sticking to that, they're going to be fine. Yeah. And I do think that people, if you're consistent with it, I have seen people, uh, Landon Brazel would be a great example, actually, of a guy who's an extremely high competitor, high-level competitor, has gone to the games as a master's, and really all he does now, I mean, when he worked with me, we did more, uh, but even then he still did the classes at CrossFit and Brace, and right now still does the classes at CrossFit and Brace, wow. and is still making really good improvements over past 10 plus years of fitness and he just does a class workout one time a day yeah right so i heard for a lot of chiropractic school that patrick Bellner just did the classes um and he's top level games competitor right i mean obviously i don't know how many days he just did the classes but that's a huge testament to yeah right to be yeah and you see a ton of people now that have retired from competing that just do classes at their gym and have been able to maintain an extremely high level of fitness. Like they're probably not where they were when they were at the games, but they were training three to five hours a day for that. Whereas yeah. now they just train 45 minutes to an hour a day and they've retained 80, 90% of their yeah. absolute capacity, yeah. which is, um, yeah, which is, I mean, that's pretty unheard of. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's really important. Um, all right. Rebecca's got a coach in like nine minutes. Was your was your food good? Yeah, it was so good. It was a spicy chicken sandwich. What happened to you at the drive-thru? Oh, here's what happened. 
I went to Chick-fil-A and I think that the guy gave me my food and the person behind me food. And so now I have all my food and I ate it all. <gasps> Free food. Free food. Take it. Um, what do we have coming up this weekend? Lemon and barbecue. That's right, lemon and barbecue from six to nine or six thirty to nine thirty. Six to ten. Six to ten. Six until. I need to talk to my wife about that. That's no, late. wait, no, no. Maybe it's at six to nine. I think I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of a wedding I recently went to. Mm, okay, six <laughs> to nine, lemon and barbecue is this weekend, and then we have some other cool events coming up throughout the week as well. Uh, oh well, no, throughout the throughout the months. As oh, well, yeah. we did some events yesterday. What did what did we say for? We said movie night, right? And oh yeah, we're gonna put up a poll for you guys to vote on what movie. We'll yes. Watch. We had a hard time thinking of movies. If y'all have any suggestions, which I feel like I do have good movie references when we do this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we should go back, and, should go back and, and written them down. Um, I think we said Sandlot, The Goonies, Facing the Giants. What? No one, no one said that. Remember the Titans. remember the Titans. Okay, sorry, same thing. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Facing the Giants. Great movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then, oh, what you else? You said Rudy, but I well, I didn't put that on there. <laughs> That's in Josh Bridges' top five. Rudy? Really? Oh yeah, because he has Little Man Complex too. So <laughs> it makes sense. Little Man Complex. Uh, not really. I, I like Josh Bridges. Uh, the Goonies, Remember the Titans, Hoosiers, Jumanji. The new one. No, the yes. one with Robin Williams. No, it was mine. I I took that part off. Uh, and then someone said the parent trap. Who said the parent Judd. trap? Judd. <laughs> Steel Magnolias would be good. I love that movie. I said forgetting Sarah Marshall, but I got it. So. Yes, it, this is a family establishment. <laughs> so, uh, and then we said, yeah, so that'll be July 11th, and then August 8th, we're doing a spike ball tournament. Oof. <laughs> and then we're doing Oak, Oak Mountain Day in September. Yep. Well, we'll do a swim workout and then. Let people. When is uh, Mayhem? On the mountain? Yeah. August 23rd? Or no, it's like August 15th or something. Okay. It's in August. Uh, I was just wondering. So, uh, we have, we should, the whole Lamb fam's painting up. That would be so fun if we supported, like, if the whole gym was there. Is Judd signed up? I'm going to make Judd do it. I don't think she signed up, but everyone tell Judd that she needs to do Mayhem on the mountain. Individual. She would win she it. Would win. Judd wants to do it. Patton said he wants to do it. Yeah. Um, I think I know Gaffel's on a team. Aston might do it. I don't know who he would do it with, but um, yeah. Ellie. I want to do it. I haven't competed in like a year. I want to do it. So you bad. need to do something. Yeah. Um. But then in December we're doing the or not December, but once it gets cooler we're doing the black tie event. Yep. Where we do a Dundee's award. Uh, Superlatives. Neither of y'all know what Dundies are because you don't have a sense of humor. You don't like The Office. Uh, Dunder Muffin. Dunder Mifflin? <laughs> Dunder Muffin? <laughs> That's what everyone's shirt says that wears it. Dunder Mifflin. Okay, one L. Muff, muff, okay, all right. We're, we're ending there. What's a Dunder Mifflin? What's a Dunder Mifflin? Yes. Dunder Mifflin is the paper company that they all work for at The Office. Okay, I've seen a Dunder Muffin shirt before. Uh, anyways, guys, that's what you have to look forward to. If y'all have any, uh, this about a month and a half ago, I, uh, I asked about topics for the podcast. So if you have any suggestions, you can uh, leave us a note and tell us what you like to talk. Oh, wait, I have one more personal request. Okay. 
CrossFit is doing affiliate representatives for regions now, right? I would love to be the representative for, so basically the, you remember the old regional format where you had regionals and each regional was comprised of, like ours was the Southeast. So ours was in the open, we competed against, it was Alabama, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, and then Florida, right? So our region that we're in now is Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. Okay. So each at region will have one representative that will be the go between. It will be like the representative for all the affiliates in that region. So like he'll, the board of directors or something. Yeah. So they would hold that spot. Cool. So they would be responsible for communicating with the affiliates in their region and then relaying that information to HQ cool. for like grassroots initiatives, like things they want to support, stories they want to tell, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. So I would love to do that. Um, so if you guys feel so led, <clears throat> go to affiliate support at CrossFit.com and email them and tell them that you think I would be a good fit for that. So I've never asked y'all for anything. Instead of giving us a five-star review, you can do that. Okay. All right. Um, over and out, right? Yeah. All right. Bye, ma'am. Bye. Bye, guys.